In recent years, there's been more and more awareness about New York's wine industry, so we wanted to examine the current state of wine production in New York and consider their legislative concerns here at the Capitol. To do all that, we're joined on the Capitol Press Room by Steve Bate, Executive Director of the New York Wine Policy Institute, whose board is composed of winery owners and grape growers here in the Empire State. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks for having me. So for starters, can you describe, I guess for lack of a better word, the current wine landscape in New York? For example, how much wine production is actually happening here and where is it happening? I would say that the the landscape continues to change and grow, in fact, because we, uh, I think we're probably around 500 licensed wineries in the state now. And so actually the growth has been good, sales have been good. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head how much is being produced, but it is being produced pretty much all over the state. There's there's wineries where there are about 60 licensed producers on Long Island, and then of course now many, many wineries in, in the Finger Lakes and Northern New York. And how does the current landscape compare to, say, 10 or 20 years ago? Has there been incremental growth, or has this been like a rocket ship taking? Well, I would say it's been pretty steady growth, and, and the reason for that goes way back to the 70s when the Farm Winery Act was passed and made it possible for wineries to self-distribute, to use 100% New York fruit, and it just made it a lot simpler for wineries to uh, open open their doors. And so, and it's been pretty steady growth throughout. You know, one of the things they've been able to do for a long time is, is ship directly to consumers within the state. And, uh, and and that's really helped them with wine clubs and, and of course, the, the internet, now online orders. And are most businesses in this space vertically integrated, doing everything from growing the grapes to selling the wine, or is the industry more fragmented than that? Well, there are there are uh, wineries that are vertically integrated, so they, they're actually located on their own vineyards and use their own fruit. But then there are also quite a few uh, vineyards um, that, that are just growing fruit and then selling it to, to wineries. So it's there's different different business models out there. So I want to talk about prospective legislation, stuff that's kicking around the Capitol in a second. But first, I'm interested in any laws or regulations that have come out of Albany in recent years that have had a serious impact on the wine industry, either for good or ill. Well, yeah, but of course, you know, there have been some reforms that have happened every so often. You know, under Governor Cuomo, there was uh, a lot of em- emphasis put on uh, craft beverage industry as a whole, uh, realizing that it was great for tourism and that it had multiplier effects throughout the state. So there was, you know, there was kind of streamlining of the laws, the ability to have multiple producer licenses on the same premises. Of course, when the uh, Grand Home decision, Supreme Court decision, came down allowing wineries to ship multi-state or, or interstate. Um, you know, that was a big boom for, for the New York wine industry. So yeah, there have been some some changes over the years that have made it progressively easier. And do grape growers and wineries deal with some of the same problems as other members of the agriculture industry? more broadly, or are they uh, immune to some of these changes, whether it's different minimum wage requirements, overtime requirements, or just the rising costs of uh, certain goods and services? 
the vast majority of the wineries in New York State are small businesses. So they're very sensitive to costs, uh, added costs. And, and so, yes, there's been a lot of concern about labor costs, um, like uh, other members of the farm community. Um, because New York has a relatively short growing season and the harvest period can be kind of intense. And so the overtime rule having changed those thresholds for overtime uh, really impacted uh, our, our growers primarily. So uh, so definitely we are sensitive to a lot of the same issues that other farmers are. Well, let's turn now to outstanding issues. And one of the big ones kicking around the capital, which could impact some of your members, is this issue of extended producer responsibility, essentially shifting uh, the onus of recycling and uh, waste of certain packaging onto uh, the producers themselves. What are your broad thoughts about this type of issue and, more specifically, the legislation that we've seen uh, as recently as 2023? Well, actually, um, we've been following it very closely, and the first time I heard about it was back in 2021, and there was you may know there's been a series of, of bills that have come out and have recession since then. Um, so we've been following all of them. You know, our members are, are understand that something needs to be done to improve recycling. And so we've been looking at these bills. We've been looking at what's going on, not only in this country, but in other countries. And there are some good models out there. Um, you know, we you know that like in France, where obviously they have a very important wine industry, uh, the wineries there pay essentially less than one euro per bottle um, into the EPR system, and that's it. That's their only responsibility. That keep track of how many bottles they're putting into the market, and then and then pay a fee every quarter or every certain period. One of the things that really concerns us about the New York initiatives is that they they keep coming up with these bills and talking about the, the fact that there should be a needs assessment, but nobody's doing a needs assessment while we're waiting for the bill to be drafted. And that's, you know, for small businesses, we're very concerned about the complexity of the bill, what's going to be expected of them, and what's going to be the costs to them especially. And all of this could be answered by looking at a needs assessment or having a comprehensive needs assessment that comes up with some of the costs and also looks at what's being done around the world to come up with best practices for New York. Well, let me reintroduce you right here uh, for listeners just joining us. Uh, this is the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Steve Bate, Executive Director of the New York Wine Policy Institute. It seems like a component of the legislation that is really key to its administration is this idea of putting together stakeholders after the legislation becomes law to really hammer out the details of what extended producer responsibility could and should look like. So it sounds like what you're saying is that there are elements of this to be addressed and questions to be answered prior to this actually becoming a law. Absolutely. I mean, that's what we've been asking for since the first, since the concept first came up. You know, this whole issue of these producer responsibility organizations is, is another confusing part of it. We don't know whether those would be, if there's going to be multiple PROs, are they going to be sector-based or are they going to be material-based? And if so, how is that going to work with various types of glass? We're talking about wine bottles, other types of bottles. 
there's just a lot of questions that need to be answered before actually chiseling the law <laughs> in stone. And, uh, so I will say that, you know, the, one of the things that uh, we liked was uh, the, the latest bill uh, that came out towards the end of session made some pretty good changes to it. And they, they essentially proposed having just one producer responsibility organization and then working with DEC or having the DEC work with stakeholders to try and come up with costs. So, you know, it just sounded like it was a little more reasonable in terms of the timetable uh, for small businesses, especially. To date, the only extended producer responsibility bills that have been successfully turned into law in New York are targeted to industries. So would you be more inclined to see a specifically tailored version of this bill for the wine industry in New York and maybe have it look like something like the model in France where there is just simply a fee assessed on every bottle or sale of wine from New York? You know, it probably could be a good idea, but in France, it, it actually, it's their EPR program applies to all packaging. And you know, in fact, the French wine industry had their own PRO for a while, and then they just decided it wasn't working. So they kind of merged in with the with the general PRO for all packaging. Um, so that, you know, I, and I'm not sure whether it would be good to have one um system just for wine um because you know there it really does concern a lot of different types of packaging so um and uh, new york you know as as much as we like think you know our, our wine industry is large it is very small compared to california and, and international wine foreign wine that's coming in so the other thing you know we're looking at closely is the bottle bill expansion and that's uh uh, we were actually pl very pleased to see that uh, Senator May uh, took on one of our suggestions, which was to exempt small wineries and uh, other craft beverages from the um, redemption rules so that they didn't have to actually take back empties, but they would still be responsible for paying um, a fee for processing of the, of the bottles. But, um, you know, that, it just takes one layer of, of, of burden off of the small businesses. And speaking of the bottle deposit legislation more broadly, what do you think of covering wine bottles with uh, some sort of deposit fee the same way we do uh, a can of beer, uh, a plastic bottle of water, or you know, soda in the various forms that it comes? Well, we can, you know, no matter what we think about it, it's coming. <laughs> You know, it's California uh, is implementing um, its our deposit program for wine bottles. Uh, Maine has it. I think Vermont just passed uh, a law for it. You know, so it's it's circling around and it's coming to us. Uh, so it's either going to be EPR or the bottle bill. It could actually be both, so that the bottles are covered under the deposit program and other packaging, excuse me, like cardboard would be covered under EPR, but. Uh, you know, our role at least at the Wine Policy Institute is to try and work with the legislation to make it as palatable and as acceptable as possible. Well, in addition to carving out that role as a redemption center, are there any other changes that you'd like to see to the existing bottle bill expansion legislation that's kicking around Albany, or are you generally happy 
with what we're seeing right now? Well, one of the things we'd actually like to see is, is more of the uh, unclaimed returns uh, coming back to the industry so that it helps them um, with administration of the, of, the, uh, of the bill. So right now, I think 20% um, would, would stay with um, a dealer or, or a deposit initiator. In Ontario, for their program, the deposit initiators keep 100% of the unclaimed deposits. So somewhere between 100% and what it is now, 20% would be very helpful for, for small businesses. And finally, I don't know if you'd like to pick a favorite because, you know, parents always say they love all their children equally, but do you have a favorite New York-based wine? It's always the one in front of me. That's a good diplomatic answer. Well, we've been speaking with Steve Bate. He's the executive director of the New York Wine Policy Institute. Steve, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, David. Thank you so much for having me. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.